Welcome to Big Ben and Kaylin on NoFilter.net. Each week we broadcast live on NoFilter.net. We're also audio podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and more. I'm Kaylin. He's Big Ben, and he's Garen Strong. You know Garen from the Bay Area, Homestead High. He was dominant there, which led him to the University of Oregon, where he starred as a wide receiver. And then he went on Nike. You may have heard of that brand. He did some big things for the Jordan brand. And now he's an author, Innovation <laughs> University. He's coming on to the show to talk about his new book. Garen, welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, well, this is the second time we've had you, so I have to lead off with this question. <laughs> Who had a more costly turnover? Chris Weber in the 1993 National Championship when he called the timeout, or me back in November when I forgot <laughs> to hit the record button? We have to redo this. I'm going to have to go with Chris Weber because you can't get that time back. You know, we're here now, so Chris Weber definitely. But I do feel like... Um, I remember I had made some picks and I kept count because again, like I, I think I was telling you guys that I'm not like really into fantasy football and all that. I think I went eight for ten that weekend. You did, which tied <laughs> yeah. up with like somebody else. Yeah, I remember that. So I wonder with no with no evidence of it whatsoever. I know exactly, <laughs> exactly. I thought you were going to say you picked uh, San Diego State and UConn in the in the, in the <laughs> absolutely not. Um, that was a great tournament. I think that I was actually more glued into the women's tournament. I'm sure like everyone else, but I've been following the women's basketball, especially college more so than women's WNBA for a few years now. And so it was just cool to see like, not only the, the recognition, but the recognition because of the competition that was mm -hmm. going on, you know? And so it was dope. But yeah. I, you know, some people favorite time of the year is March Madness. So. Yeah, I mean, I personally love March because you have March Madness, you have baseball with spring training, and then basketball. I love the NBA, but I get lost in the middle of the season, and then March comes around, and they're like, pick it up for the playoffs and seedings and all that. So March is the best time of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. I'm right there with you. I didn't really watch any NBA games for the entire season until towards the back end of, like, after All-Star and then getting into March, and of course now going into playoffs. So I have to ask, you're, you're up in Portland now, so are you Trailblazers or are you Warriors? No. I'm still rocking with the Warriors, the home team. Yeah, I've been up here for some time, but uh, yeah, I can't roll with the Trailblazers. I like Dame, though. You know, he's from the Bay Area. Um, but definitely the, the Warriors and just what they've been able to do. I can't say that I've, like, always been a super, like, Golden State Warriors fan. Like, I've always rooted for them and paid attention to them, obviously, growing up in the Bay and all that. But growing up, I actually was a huge, huge Kevin Garnett fan. Oh, yeah. And so I watched a lot of the Timberwolves and were the fan of the Timberwolves and the Celtics. But I think I've always been more of, like, fans of players than actual, like, teams. That makes sense. Yeah. Like growing up, I mean, obviously I like Jordan, but I like Dominique. And then there's a spell where I liked Isaiah Thomas. And right. then, you know, as a kid, you have the chance to be fair weather. In my opinion, you just gravitate to a player who you want to mimic your game like or 
do you just like watching? Yeah, so my top three basketball athletes growing up was MJ, of course, Kevin Garnett, and then Ray Allen. So it was dope to see mm. Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett on the Celtics at the same time. And then I grew to like uh, Rajon Rondo as a point guard. So like that was that was dope to like really see. And again, I've been a fan of Ray and and KG since they were rookies uh, going into the league. So it was yeah, it was dope to see. So I always say Ben's tired of hearing it. Rajon Rondo was my comp in high school. There's not a lot of film out there on me. <laughs> I was a poor man's Rajon. I could okay. disrupt you on defense. I could get you in the <laughs> offense. I could control the game. I just didn't rebound. And was slightly yeah. not as athletic as Rajon. Man, I I would used to argue with with friends and teammates about how Rajon Rondo could have been an easy walking triple double before Westbrook was going crazy. Oh, yeah, just because he was so active, it's like if he could have got his free throws down and just more consistent with a mid mid range jumper, he would have been good. I felt like he he could have, to your point, a triple double. He could have scored more. He just didn't find it necessary, right? Yeah, like I true. Have Very three other enough. guys that are much better than myself. Let's just do what I'm good at. I would have seen him get a triple double with like steals, assists, and missed three throw free throws before. <laughs> <laughs> right, that was the wrong triple double. Yeah, <laughs> but I agree with um, you. What's his name? Derrick Rose's rookie year, Chicago versus Boston, and Rondo. That was a battle. Like those series, like I thought Rondo was a little overrated. And I saw that series and I was like, oh, you know, he's for real. Yeah. 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 He, I just loved his game because he was like, it was like the purity of him being a point guard of like controlling the game, getting the ball to, like, as you said, been to like the playmakers and doing what he has to do, but like making sure that like the team is all functioning and aligned mm-hmm. and like working on, on one one page so for me that's why i just liked his game because he let everyone else be who they were while still contributing and being a a key player on that team like the orchestrator yeah yeah yeah, very much like you know was my mom's favorite player (laughs) you know what they say moms know basketball players like ask your mom who their favorite player is like rajon rano i'd be like okay that's very respectable it's not like right 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 you know (laughs) So the fact I think she's got a run. The only basketball jersey she has is a Rondo jersey. That's it. It's a shirt from me. I did spring for the jersey. <laughs> Kept it respectable though. Yeah, yeah. Kept the number. So let's number talk a little bit about your book, Innovation University. Tell us a little bit about like how you came up with the idea and just some highlights of the book. Yeah. So it's it's a. 460 plus page hardbound coffee table book um, that takes you through key athletes, coaches, moments, um, things that really shape the program and or the university around the impact and influence that it's had on not only the game of football, but sport culture as well as pop culture. And the idea came to be when I was actually working at Nike in brand marketing on the football side and being a student athlete at the University of Oregon and now being uh, a professional and working back with the university, 
I just seen like the true uniqueness of the relationship between Oregon and, and Nike. And this was also around the same time where ESPN was going heavy with like the college 30 for 30s. So like it was oh, yeah. like the Fab Five uh, was going on around the time as well as the U. And for me, you know, those were both teams and or programs that influence pop culture. And that's what they really highlighted in the documentary. So the idea was first to be a documentary and showing that Oregon also in a different space, but still influenced pop culture uh, more through like innovation and marketing and things of that nature. And as I began to like try to figure out how I was going to bring this documentary to life, which it was a task in itself, especially working full time at Nike, not <laughs> ever, not ever being a filmmaker and trying to like create this super special uh, documentary. I started with just like reaching out to friends if they knew any video videographers, this and that. And I'm not going to bore you too much with the story, but it was a lot of start and stop over like basically like almost 10 years. I would say I came up with the idea oh, wow. probably back in like 2013, 14, maybe wow. 15 between that time frame. But I just felt like truly with the uniforms, the facilities, every year you hear something about Oregon and what they're doing. And then when Chip Kelly came in to play, you know, you heard about the, the offense and how that just changed the game that it was an idea that just stuck with me of like, yo, you have to get this out before somebody else tells the story. Mm -hmm. And as I got to the end of my career at Jordan, one of the first projects that I wanted to work with post Nike was this, this story and getting this out. And I was talking to a friend and he was just asking me what I was going to do after, you know, working at Nike, what I was looking to get into. And I was telling him about the project. He knew about it, but he was like, yo, you should actually create a book around it uh, because it's more cost effective and efficient. And then from there, you can continue to tell that story however you see fit. And so, yeah, I started the journey of now of becoming an author. Uh, I reached out to a friend who also played at Oregon, but he's some years younger, as well as a fellow Bay Arian, I'll call him, uh, Keone Block, who's a graphic designer and designer out of the Bay Area. And brought them together, gave them kind of the vision, the thought behind it, the concept, and they were like all for it. Carlisle Garrick, he actually is a creative director down in LA for agency, a creative agency. And so between us three, or amongst us three, we basically worked on this, this book for three years to where we just got, or I just got the pre-confirmation samples of the final copy and they're in production nice. as we speak. All right. We're, we'll Congrats. be watching the, thank you. Thank you. Um, actually, cute. let me, it's right out of focus, but I was able to yeah. show it off. Yeah. We, We'll be launching April 28th, so it's actually a Friday, the day before Oregon Spring Game. Um, and looking to actually go down there and talk with some business students, some journalism students, student athletes, as well as design students of just talking through the process of, of the book and just product creation, yeah. entrepreneurship, all of that stuff. And then launching that book that day and then just going to the spring game um, the next day. But I don't know how much you guys can see of it. But Oh, yeah, is, we can see yeah. it. 
Innovation University, and you can see how the color mm -hmm. shifts. So the inspiration behind yeah. that was like the the Oregon uniforms. If you've seen their helmets or yeah. their uh, actual numbers, that they have a type of material, an iridescent material that shifts. So we took inspiration from that, and then from there, yeah, we just have I don't know how well this is going to do, but we'll see. Oh wow, I can see yeah. the duck. Yeah, and then. I'm gonna just click through random pages. Like we highlight Tinker, yeah. which is his his contribution to the the program. We do some cool things about the the city of or town of Eugene, mm -hmm. which most know it as being a hippie town. So we took that inspiration and actually started to build a design direction. Through that, this is Michael James, and one of his quotes, we asked him what was his first impressions of Eugene, Oregon, and he said, this is very different from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> um, to where then we also highlight, I'll show you guys this before I put it down, but we also highlight the more of the cultural side of things with the sneakers and uh, yeah kind of like a flip book of those. Yeah. And, the, and then towards the back end, we get into like the uniforms as trading cards, but you can, the evolution of them. Right. So yeah, it's it's been a, a labor of love for sure. And now I'm just like excited to actually get it out to the rest of the world. So I don't have to worry about exactly. production and or shipping and Color many, migration and bleeding and all that stuff. With with all the intricacies in like that, because it's just not a textbook, right? It's it's right. You got it. How many? What, what do you call them? Post production shops, print shops could actually fulfill that for you. So we. I know we that's went, a weird question, but it's no, no, no. Weird. Yeah, like so. When I first also started this, I took this on, and this project actually literally became a reflection of my experience on the Jordan side. So working in Jordan and working in footwear and managing the product creation for the Air Jordan 1 was literally the same type of process that it was to create a book of like finding a factory, working with the factory to build out the, the actual book, the dimensions, the type of materials, picking materials, the type of paper, the details of how we want it and all that. And so with that is like, yeah, you do have to connect with a, a more of a, a bigger printer or production house to print out we're doing 3000 copies for the first run which is like a limited run um, and it was a lot of back and forth again why it took us probably a year just in that sense because of the our first go round at it so you know we were learning while we were building this all out and from like thinking that we have a final copy where then the printer got it and they were like, yeah, this is the wrong format. And so our designer had to like go back in and how he built his files and his pages is like, he had to like literally go in and change almost every page. And he, you know, he has other things going on in a family. And so like, it's just, it was a lot of kind of timing amongst us three, as well as working with the factory or printer to get the, the book to where we, kind of approved it and confirmed it, but it is definitely a, a process for sure. Yeah. So you interviewed Phil Knight, you know, you said Michael James, I think 
even PJ Tucker, the shoe God is in this book. Can you share like an anecdote from the book or your favorite interview? You know, something that really like got you excited to go to print with this? Yeah, I think the first thing was like how supportive and helpful my community has been. And that's friends, colleagues, former employers, all of them like put me in a place to where this book can be successful. So even like getting the rights of photography and images to even having someone shoot some more images. Yeah, almost every athlete in the book has signed a um, a release form to use their name, image, and likeness or whatever if we're highlighting them outside of the book, like if we're going to market around them and all that. And I think, you know, one of the, the most supportive ones out of everyone has been Tinker Hatfield. And my relationship goes all the way back with him from playing at Oregon. and kind no, of being I don't know who that is. There's no way. Yeah, he's like Geppetto, man. Wait, if you uh, turn around, Geppetto. if you turn around and <laughs> you look at those, you, he literally just him all those except for the Jordan one, and I can't tell what's on the right. Oh yeah, those Jordan one pairs he did not design, but those other three pairs he designed. So he, I guess I guess I'm not a true <laughs> sneakerhead. Yeah, <laughs> you might want to cut this. <laughs> you might want to cut this for. We got to. Um, you knew who that was, Ben. No, well, I, I've heard the name just through. I mean, what movie's coming out now? Air. Oh, like Air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he kind of floats in and out of the Jordan story. He wasn't a guy that right. wanted to be lauded. He's just kind of like the guy in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yep, man yep. behind the green curtain kind of guy. Tinker. Yeah. So yeah, but with Tinker, Tinker's a man. A I can go on about him, but a creative. Uh, he's been a mentor for me. Uh, his actual first kind of industry was in architecture. So he has that background and all that. But anyways, he's just been super supportive. Like, you know, his time and working at Nike and traveling and doing different seminars and all this other stuff. But every time I reached out to him to either sit down and interview him or if he could help me get in contact with, with anybody, like he was there to to help. And then I think that was kind of with everyone else too. Like I um I don't think I have any crazy stories of in the process that like either I didn't think was not the book wasn't gonna happen or whatever. It just I think the biggest is just the time that it's taken uh to get it to where it is. Um, but yeah, everyone, everyone's been helpful and supportive. Well, you know, and that's why I'm excited to get it out to the, to the rest of the world. Cause once I show the book to folks or they start to see some of the pages, they're like, damn, like, I didn't know this was a story or you guys could put it together in this, this form. I think the cool thing, if anything, is that there have been two to three other people or companies that have reached out about possibly creating a book for them. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now we're like, yeah, we might as well turn this into like a business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try, yeah. Yeah. So our plans is are to like figure out what that, what that is and what that means for us. But I think that's been really like 
the cooler part of like people have respected and loved the work so much that they've shared with others that now they're looking to have their own kind of story be told and all that with the help of us. Yeah, and I got to imagine within the book, there's so many untold stories, right, that people maybe only have told you up to this point. So with it being, I picture that as a book that sits, you know, on every diehard or University of Oregon fans, but then anyone that's into Nike or a sports fan in general, barbershop, right, pick it up and all of a sudden you start like reading stories that you didn't know. And all of a sudden, like, okay, where the source is here, obviously, right? Right. And then it spawns like almost not critical mass, but you see that like, okay, this is, this is truly not just another book that reprints sports illustrated stories, you know, along with another picture. Right. So I'm excited. Yeah. Like, you know, one of the things that we, and what I kind of started to phrase it as, it's like a masterclass in like branding or rebranding. It, Mm -hmm. you know, it takes you from where Oregon in the mid nineties, no one, no one cared about this mid road team that again if you weren't from the state of Oregon you didn't know where Eugene was to then you know partnering with Nike and going on a 20-year journey of branding and innovation and all that to getting it to where it is now to where I've traveled overseas and seen the Oregon O like on a car it's like how you know what I mean or someone wearing a t-shirt over in Barcelona or something like that so for me, and that's one of the reasons why we also called it Innovation University is like, there's some things, there's information that you can get out of this to help build or create whatever you're, you're looking to do. And what I like about it is it's not the media's perspective on the outside of what happened. It's like you played football at Oregon, you are in the culture, you are a part of the culture. And you're telling your story with the other Oregon alums or maybe some current players too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that was one of the things also is like, we wanted to position the book as a, again, in culture that Oregon is a part of culture, pop culture. Yes, the fans, the Oregon fans, we wanted to be respectful and make sure that we gave them something that they would be proud of and want to buy and all that. But also it was like, we wanted to make sure that this story sits within a space in, in culture and being able to show that Oregon has done these things and are continuing to do these things to be a part of culture and or have already established themselves. So yeah, I think, again, um, the stories, the athletes from the Joey Harrington's all the way to the Marcus Mariotas and everyone in between, like we were able to capture those athletes, Coach Pilati, Coach Chip Kelly was actually like me and him have a solid relationship. And I wasn't sure. I just didn't know where Oregon set with him now that he's moved on, now that he's in the Pac-12, but for a team in L.A., UCLA, was like, is he going to approve us highlighting him or pictures and all that? And I, I reached out to him and he was like, oh, yeah. No problem. Just send me my section or whatever you guys have written up about me and I'll make sure I'll go over it and get it cleared also with the university. So he's covered or we there was no way that we would be able to tell an innovative story without highlighting Coach yeah. Kelly, Chip Kelly. You know, what I mean, that was like that would be impossible to do because of he revolutionized the game of football 
through oh, yeah. no huddle. So yeah, it, it's moments like that that I'm just super grateful and humbled by of people that were just there and was like, yeah, I got you. Just let me know what you need. Okay, I got a question, Garen. Go back to, you said, I walk into Barnes and Noble. This would be very rare. This probably would never happen. But where, is, <laughs> where, where is your book? And what's it sitting next to? I think, you know, I don't even know if it's, if it's Barnes and Noble. Cool. But I would hope that you would walk into like a streetwear or a sneaker boutique first. Okay. Okay. There you um, go. I like that. And it sits within that space of like, you know, the accessories and like the art that is a part of the the experience of these boutiques is like the book or uh, the innovation university sits within that then if you don't have that in your town then you go into a Barnes and noble and i'm sure they would place it somewhere in like the sports section which is fine or if there is a pop culture section that's where they should place it i got you so you you're also involved in another company circle of winners yes um, can you talk about how that maybe ties to the book or if that's a separate venture you're on? It's a separate, but still inclusive of the book. Uh, it's a lifestyle brand and that, that brand circle of winners I've been working on for the past three, four years. So even when I was at Nike, I was starting to already build circle of winners or the idea and the concept. And it's, it goes back to just my background of team sports and going after a common goal and being on a football team. I think it's the best kind of metaphor one, I think for life, but in the sense of like actually getting around and meeting and having to work with folks that maybe not look like you or come from a different background or, you know, I mean, different positions is that like, literally I can't get my job done if, you don't do your job and that's kind of like the the mentality and the the mindset around circle of winners is that like i'm here to help support be motivated get inspired by those that are around me so that i can do what i need to do better and vice versa and so with that you know we start by building out the apparel side of things so we have a, a online or e-commerce shop right now circlewinners.com and then from there we've again because it's a lifestyle brand we're looking to venture into other things that are within culture so obviously this book will be or is a part of it like it's basically brought to you by circle of winners um film hopefully tech and or travel at some point sports so i'm doing some things in the nil space right now as a contractor but at some point plan on kind of breaking off and being our own entity and getting after that space um, through our perspective and how we see we can add value to that. So, yeah, I know that was kind of long winded, but Circle Winners is a lifestyle brand that's going to be tapped into to different, I would say, components of, of culture. Yeah, I'll no, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. No, no, I was no. going to say, you brought up a point on NIL, and Ben and I were talking about the Miami team. It kind of validated NIL for the Hurricanes because everyone's talking about all these players they paid for and all this, 
when those players showed up and got to the final four, Miami's first final four, and they wouldn't have done it without these star players that they got from the transfer porter or even Wong, their best player who almost left. Right. What's your take on NLL and like where you see it going with football? I think we're still at the beginning stages of it. Things haven't truly settled in yet. And so you have different moments of or events that happen and people react and like surprise, but probably shouldn't be surprised by now of kind of what's going on with athletes, brands, coaches and all that. And I think things will start to filter itself out, whether the NCAA comes and brings in new rules and um, legislation that will clear out. I think the murkiness that's happening in the NIL, like our players supposed to be getting paid directly from the school compared to a, a donor or a booster. Um, how are brands working with them? This is all that stuff that still needs to be figured out. But for me, I think it's still great for college athletes. Like they need to get paid and I'm happy that they are getting paid. For me, I just wish that there were more rules and regulations around the the deal when they wrote it out before they just gave it a, a free for all or let people just <laughs> go after it. However, they seem fit because it's just, caused a lot of chaos and at some points it's taken away from the actual sport and i don't say that in a bad way like a pierce way i'm just saying like you see the disparity of these teams when yeah people kind of transfer out i think the problem is the nil with the transfer portal yeah yeah that's because if you're not happy you're like, I'm out of here. And they're like, oh, here's a bag of money. <laughs> right, right. I think that's more, if I had to start that answer again, it would be around those two. Like having the transfer portal and NIL at the same time has caused chaos. And yeah, some programs have benefited from them. A lot of programs haven't. The thing with these athletes, though, that think that they can just jump in the transfer portal and then any school's going to pick them up is like, you got to remember that these scholarships, are allotted every year so if a school says yeah they want to pick you up but then they end up finding out that they don't have enough scholarships or have any free scholarships or available scholarships now you're stuck in the portal your team or the program the university that you just left is not going to allow you to come back maybe they do some do whatever and now you're literally stuck in this transfer portal for however long unless you want to go to a d2 or whatever it may be and I was reading back during the college season that there was, I'm not, it was a crazy significant number of how many athletes were stuck in the transfer portal compared to how many athletes were on teams (laughs) or programs. It was like relatively transferred out successfully versus those that are still, still in it. I think it was like for every three that went in, one found a successful, like, out right right yeah it was it was something yeah yes something around that or like there was like two thousand athletes in the transfer portal which is crazy you know what i mean because that's two times yeah that's two times how many college programs are out there in d1 yeah 
or 10 times, sorry, 10 times. Yeah. It's, so, it's kind of, where, where do they sit? It sounds like they're just in purgatory inside this little tube. No one wants to come get them <laughs> Like I don't know. Them. I know I've, I've heard stories of some go back home and train as long as they can until they get picked up. Some have, some college programs have allowed students to at least come back and enroll in class, but they can't do any sporting activities. Um, so yeah, again, like I said, the, the chaos and the uncertainty around the NIL is where things just need to be cleared up. But I, I do see it becoming like, I guess like society in the sense of like, you'll have just those tiers of, of athletes that will get paid a lot of money. Then that second tier that maybe get endorsed and are doing things and have to like put together a portfolio of brands to actually get paid. And then you have those that are just going there to play their sport and are good with that. Um, but my biggest thing is educating these kids, like mm -hmm. being able to educate them and empower them to actually take advantage of the, of the space is where again, circle of winners would want to come in and focus on is like, yeah, we'll help you get this money in the bag and all that. But if you don't know what to do with it or how to make yeah. this a, a long term thing or turn it into longevity, then what does it really mean? Because four years is going to fly by, you don't make it into the league. And now you're trying to figure out what you want to do when you had all the opportunity in the world to either connect with brands, take some of the money that you did make to start a brand, whatever it may be. So yeah, I, there needs to be more of that in the, in the future of like educating these kids and again, empowering them to do things. I have one last question. It's a, it's, right. it could take all night. Um, <laughs> all right, Garen, uh, where do you think Oregon would be without Nike and where would Nike be without Oregon? So we asked that question to a lot of athletes. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the things, because, you know, like when I started to get the idea out, they're like, oh, so it's a Nike book. I'm like, no, it's an Oregon book <laughs> right. um, and vice versa. But I truly think that Oregon would, wouldn't be where they are today by no means if it wasn't for the, the help, the support, the love, the passion that Phil Knight personally has for the university. Oregon maybe would have made its way around at some point if they still had the open-mindedness that they did of like trying to do things a different way and not being so stuck or tied to tradition. But if it wasn't for Phil Knight coming to, to Coach Bilotti and having those conversations around what does it take for Oregon to compete with the top tier programs in the, in the nation, then I don't think we see the same Oregon today. And so it's, yeah, I don't think it's a hard question for me. It's like Oregon <laughs> would not be where they are today if it wasn't for Nike and, and Phil Knight. Now, what about Nike being who they are in terms of a brand broader than just say football, right? Cause I see it as a trickle down effect. Like you grab football, the football team yep. from a brand perspective, right? All of a sudden the basketball teams, you know, a Nike team and so forth. Where, where is Nike in that battle? Just 
I mean, is it, are we talking about Adidas maybe having a 50 share? Or are we talking about someone else? With, or, with Oregon or just in, in the industry? I'm saying it was just with Nike. Did, is uh, Nike where they're at because they used Oregon as such? Oh, gotcha. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. To, gotcha. To, to build their brand and evangelize their brand and their uniforms and then capture more athletes coming to Oregon and thus yeah. more universities wanting to partner with Nike. Yeah, I think, yeah, that that makes sense. It goes back to where then Oregon does play, I think, uh, an important part, an integral part in Nike's success, I would say, in football. And and then, yeah, to your point, I think it has influenced basketball because with football, Nike will come down to pitch new innovations, whether it's cleat, whether it's uniform and this and that, that. Oregon was open to taking some of that product in. Obviously, the product is innovative, so other athletes would wear it. But like when it gets into like the uniforms and how the uniforms are designed and the stories behind that is like there was no other program doing that at anywhere. Actually, there was no professional team or college program flipping out uniforms as much as Oregon has. And then to your point of like, once Oregon got established and other programs started to follow, Nike took that same kind of playbook and brought it to the basketball side and did it professionally as well. If you start to think about the city uniforms, if you mm-hmm. think about the NFL and the color rush and all that other stuff, like that was all spawned from partnering back with Oregon and that sparking that relationship and uniform innovation is or uniform innovation and forwardness thinking. Um, so I, if we had to give a percentage, I still would say like it was a 70, 30 of Nike helping Oregon versus Oregon helping, helping Nike yeah. just because Nike just has so many brilliant minds and they're connected to all these different athletes and programs and leagues and all that at some point i think some coach or some player was gonna you know join nike for the ride and let them kind of do whatever they they wanted to because they trusted in them and what they what they could bring to the table now when oregon asked nike for you know the customized jordans for basketball did that spawn the interest of Nike saying we should adopt more colorways for the different brands of Jordan? Did that happen? No, as a result you know, what happened was it was a, it really started around a recruiting tool that Nike and or Oregon, no, sorry, Oregon was talking to, if I'm not mistaken, it was like, Michael James or some other athletes and he was on either his recruiting trip or just being recruited throughout that process and he had brought up of like why can't you guys do Jordans or can we have access to Jordans and then from there that was taken back to Tinker and his team and Jason Williams who was a former player as well actually was one of the key designers on the the first few Oregon Jordans that were created. So it was a former player actually designing the shoes as well. Um, that that kind of 
question and or insight was then brought back to Nike and Jordan to then start to create that. What I think it did do, though, is it actually was able to get the jump man on a football field with Michigan. And again, that still kind of goes back to Oregon and the cachet and the energy that was brought around a football team having Oregon Jordans or Jordans to then like, oh, I wonder if we can take this a full step forward and bring a basketball logo and brand onto the football field with Michigan. And now they have like five or six, maybe eight Jordan schools that are fully decked out for football, basketball, all the other sports um, with, yeah, Jordan apparel and product. Cool. Ben, you got any more questions? No, I was just going to I wish we had more time. I'd pull up data on um, recruiting rankings based on turn or introduction of Jordan brand uniforms at that specific university. Because I could tell you that, like, I mean, I, I drove through Oklahoma the other day. It's great Midwest, but having Jordan brand uniform, I think, helps that university quite a bit. For sure. <laughs> so. For sure, for sure. Because now... You know, they're not only getting the uniforms, they're getting cleat, Jordan cleats, they're getting Jordan exactly. footwear, Jordan track suits or jumpsuits. Like it's yeah, it's a it's a thing. Yeah. You're wearing Aaron, that stuff all the time. Before we let you go, can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about your book, Circle Winners, where they can purchase your book, and anything else that exciting that's happening your way? Yeah, so right now we do have pre-order open for the book because, again, we have limited copies or a limited run. So innovation, you, as in the letter U, and then book.com is where you can go and pre-order. You don't want to pre-order and just wait for the release. That is April 28th on the same website, innovationubook.com, um, as well as if you want to follow just some of the the things, the marketing and the content that we roll out, Innovation University on Instagram, and then Circle of Winners is circleofwinners.com, C-R-C-L-O-F-W-N-N-R-S.com. So all the vowels are gone except for the O and of, if that's easier for you to remember. But circleofwinners.com as well as that's the same handle, Circle of Winners for Instagram. And yeah, those are the the two places that you can either go and buy products or go and buy a book. Oh, this is one time where the sequel was better than the initial recording. (laughs) The initial recording's a lost tape. But Garrett, thank you for coming on. Always a pleasure catching up with you. I definitely will tell Rick Perez you say hi uh, when I see him in Mexico. Ben will be down in Mexico as well. I'll be in Mexico too. Um, last dope, three dope, times dope. I've been there is in a hurricane, though. So, oh, Garen, good luck, dope. man. Good luck. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, we I mean, we got to have you back on during football season so you could actually pick some winners. I'm gonna go 10 for 10. Talent. I'm gonna go 10 for 10 for sure. But I really appreciate you guys. Um, congratulations again on the wedding, and yeah, I, lo- I look forward to chatting back in in the fall. Um, but until then, yeah, circlewinners.com, innovationyoubook.com.
I was calculating net proceeds off if you sold all your early releases based on sale price. And just be nice. Good luck. I'm I'm hoping you get there. That'd be a good first run. Yeah, man. Triple I, I got a mortgage, and <laughs> a card note, and other things. I'm an entrepreneur now, so I got health insurance and all that stuff. Um, but again, you know, before we do take off, I do want to say the reason why. And coming from Nike and, and Jordan, I definitely do understand consumers and price points and making sure that we have value in the product that we're putting out. So one of the things that I didn't cover, a few of the things that I didn't cover is that one, the book is definitely worth the, that price point. And then the elevated price points, we're actually bringing for both versions or tiers, we're bringing augmented reality into the book. So you'll have the opportunity to download an app and depending on the page, there will be some type of 3D animation that could pop up from the actual book. So again, like the experience and, and the storytelling and all that, the packaging and all that, I think is definitely worth, worth the price point. And I, I like to say it's more of like an art piece and an experience than it is just a, a coffee table book. It's a collector's yeah. 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 And so uh, anything Ben and I can do to support this, I'm in LA, Ben's in Seattle, uh, you're a bay, you're part of the family, anything we can do to support you or pass the word, you just let us know. No doubt. I definitely will send you guys some content to push at some point. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, right. Best of luck. Be good. All right. Yeah. You guys be well. Cheers.